uh, I have begun a new series uh, since last week. We are going through our long summer series of the Gospel of John. And I like this idea of studying the Gospel of John throughout two months for July and August because it's going to open the Gospel to many, many possibilities of you listening to God's Word in fresh and new ways. Um, I, I, I know the, the, that I spent some time this last winter with some experts in the Gospel of John. I had that privilege, and I wanted to share that information and that inspiration with the congregation. So last week, we began with a wonderful hymn that begins uh, the, the, the Gospel of John, which, in the beginning was the one who was called the Word. And this one who was called the Word was with God and was God. And the ama- that is, in itself, that is amazing. Then it tells us that everything that was created was created through Him and by Him. And that is amazing in itself. But then... The final words of of that hymn that is the prologue of the first gospel of John tells us the amazing thing. And, And Peterson, Eugene Peterson translated this way. And that one who was made, who was called the word, became human and moved in the neighborhood. That's how he paraphrases that. But we know it's the flesh came and dwelt among us. What an amazing thing. Yes, you know, uh, uh, the Word was with God in eternity. That is amazing in itself. The fact that the Word created everything that we see and, 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 and we don't see, that is amazing. But the fact that He Himself came and dwelt with us, that is amazing in itself. And the purpose of the Gospel of John is right in this verse. It's interesting. It's at the end of the book in, verse, in chapter, verse, uh, chapter 20th, verse 31, it says, But these things are written to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, number one. Number two, that this Messiah is the Son of God. And that by believing that He is the Messiah and the Son of God, you will receive life, and this life is in His name. And if it's in His name, this life is eternal. So last week, we summarized the whole thing by seeing the next verse, which is, The Word became a human being, full of grace and truth, lived among us, and we saw His glory, glory which He received as the Father's only Son. So John is going to show us the glory of Jesus. He's going to show us the, the, the manifestation. He's going to show us the expressions, the actions, the involvement, the activity, the deeds of God involving this messed up humanity. That's what this verse is saying. That God is going to go and show God's who God is in God's fullness to each one of us. This is difficult to express because... Well, we'll see why it's difficult to express. Because it had to be shown to people who have no vision. It had to be revealed to people with a hard heart. It had to be given to people who did not want to receive it. And yet the love of the one who came from heaven and dwelt and lived among us manifests itself. And we're going to see his glory, glory, which, he, which we are going to receive and we're going to know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and we will have life. In the story that we have for today is in chapter 2. Go to the next slide. In chapter 2, we find the wedding of Cana. 
In the wedding of Cana, we have a situation where, where Jesus is invited. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if Jesus was invited, though. It says Mary was invited. But it says Jesus and the disciples went along. So either they crashed the party or they were the plus one <laughs> in the RSVP. And the plus one was already Nathaniel. Nate, we were talking about you last week. <laughs> Nathaniel and Philip, who had already joined Jesus, leaving John the Baptist, not the Presbyterian, behind. Uh, so, so in this wedding, we have Jesus coming to a party, Jesus coming to a celebration. Now, Jewish weddings were an event, like they are today. Jewish weddings back then were between three to five days long, like they are today. Tell me about that, Beverly. There is what? A, a party for the maids. There is a rehearsal dinner. There, and none of that takes place all in the same day. There are days of events planned towards a wedding, right? I ask her because she's the master decorator and the party mindster around here. So she knows the process. So a wedding also takes several days. This was in the wedding of Cana. Cana was a small village just north of Galilee in the north end of the, of the lake. And uh, it wasn't that big. It was a small village. It was kind of hidden and unknown to anybody. Actually, I don't think if, if Jesus would have not been going to that party, we may have never heard of Cana ever. Just the fact that he was there, we hear of Cana. Now, for you a lot of hopers, that's a new one, a lot of hopers. I, I've been sharing with you one way in which we can see these stories. And I'm going to use that same methodology to tell the story of the wedding in Cana. In the Bible, and in many stories, we find a situation where we have a problem. We have a conflict. The story begins with a conflict. The story begins with introducing the people who are going to engage in that conflict. And then the typical Bible story then tells us or leads us from the conflict, it leads us into a resolution. Usually, Jesus is the one that gets involved in the resolution. Typically. And following the conflict, following the resolution, then we get into what's called a celebration. And this is perhaps more difficult for us to see because we're so used to see conflict and resolution, but we don't always celebrate what has been resolved or what the resolution really, really means beyond the immediate problem that was solved. So I'm going to, to move through the story using these three concepts, the conflict. And I'm going to read the story divided in these three ideas so you can see it clearly. So uh, listen to and for the word of the Lord as I read out of chapter 2 of John, verses 1 through 4 initially. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his, oh, Jesus and his disciples were also invited. He didn't crash to the celebration. The wine supply ran out. Why do we go there first? <laughs> the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. And Jesus replied, dear woman, that's not our problem. <laughs> My time has not yet come. That's the conflict. There is a party. And these parties who last days depend on fluid. And it's not gasoline. It's not oil to keep the lamps on. 
It is literally wine to keep the people in celebration and gladness. The wine had run out. Uh, I have here somebody who also once a month worries. She said, oh, and they do all the calculations to make sure that we don't run out of food in that community meal, right? Because if we run out of food, we would be, feel embarrassed. I mean, we would feel awful. We would, like, get in the, the refrigerator. I don't want to see anybody else, right, Cheryl? It's an embarrassing situation. That we, didn't, you know, we don't have food for all the guests that have shown up. We don't have enough love, enough hospitality to share. We run out of those symbols of hospitality. Thus, the, the bridegroom and, and the family who's sponsoring the party, they're like, oh my gosh, what a shame. And that's big in those days. So you had to have, the, you know, and it didn't happen. So that's the conflict right there. Now, the solution, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone jars of water jars used by Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars have been filled, he said, now, when the jars have been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremony. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water they had was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. And here's a celebration. The solution is the water's been turned into wine. There's more fluid. There's more gas. There's more party going on. So this is good. And here's a celebration. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the cheap wine. But you have kept the best, the very best, throughout the party until now. This sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples began to believe in him. So we have the problem. The wine runs out. There is an empty jars. Jesus tells the, 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 the people there to fill it out. But the conflict is, is dressed in, in that idea. In the idea that there's a party going on that now has been interrupted because there is no more wine to continue. That is worrisome. The joy of the activity of the event has run out. The interruption. There is a great interruption in the celebration. Do we go home and talk bad about these people that they don't have enough wine? Do we stay and wait to see if they bring some more? If we see the truck arriving some more? The need and lack of supply was expressed there. The need of not having resources, finding oneself wanting, finding oneself perhaps poor. That which was full, that which was full and was supplying joy is now empty. That which brought joy is now no longer. You know that at times our lives are beset by crisis, by sudden sadness, and sometimes the joy is gone runs out, and we find ourselves empty. Maybe it was a relationship that may just not fixable. Maybe it's a health challenge. 
Maybe it's just the mere superficial existence in which we live. It may be your own spiritual emptiness, your need for God. Is that the conflict in your story? Because that was the conflict here. The joy had run out. But Jesus is in the party. And Jesus, who told his mother the time is not yet, is still going to do something about it. Jesus is, who, uh, is about to turn things around. You see, in order for Jesus to begin to show God's glory in his life, things have to be turned around. Things have to be, uh, begin to be looked at from a different way. Our lives needed to get new priorities, new emphasis, new perspective. So Jesus sees the emptiness in our lives and in the empty six ceremonial cleansing barrels. But he's about to transform things that are empty into things which will be full and filled. He's about to transform things for one purpose, for things with another purpose, just like God has done in our lives. So in the solution, we find Jesus telling the, 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 the stewards, go ahead and fill up the jars. The water turns into wine. Something that was not is now. In the solution, Jesus' mother gives us the right instruction. Do whatever he tells you to do. In discipleship, those are the best instructions. Those are the best guidelines. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. The best way for discipleship is obedience. It is to follow. It is to be teachable. It is to learn from Jesus who was humble and meek. Then the jars were to be filled. At some point, the water was changing to wine. We don't know when that happened, but it happened. The stewards saw it. They saw the water being poured, and when they pulled it out, it was wine. So that's the solution. The crisis is emptiness in our lives. The crisis is living our lives in the same way that we were born. And the solution is the Son of God, the Creator, the one who was called the Word, comes into our party that's messed up and changes it. And then we begin to see the sorrow that's turning to joy. We begin to see the, the pain that's turning to health. We begin to see the, the, the lack of hope into faith and hopefulness because Jesus is, turn, is changing things around. So the party can continue, the celebration continues with a joy fuller than before. An embarrassing situation has become an honor for the couple who was being married because Jesus turned things around. In a way, nothing really changed. Think about it. Some of the party goers never knew where the wine came from. In a way, things never changed because some of those party goers probably went back home and continued their routine as we do after the weekend. But in a way, everything changed for others. In a way, everything changed for others because now what was empty is now filled. For others, everything was changed. What was now, what was water, now is wine. What was empty, now is filled. We begin to see the one who, who, who is called the Word becoming flesh. We begin to see that my time has not come, but the hour is here. And he performs the first sign 
to tell others that he is the Son of God. The old patterns of best wine at the beginning and bad wine at the end is eliminated. Now there is good wine throughout. The promise of good wine throughout and an eternal life. The old ways have passed. A new way has begun. Sorrow is turned into joy. Sadness into gladness. Darkness into light. A new age has arrived. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the Father's One and only Son. And this sign Jesus performed in the city of Galilee. It was the first time He revealed His glory and His disciple began to believe in Him. The Word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You promised to, tra to transform things that were not into things that are, yes. We thank you that the promises that we receive through Christ and the covenant are ours now, here, and today. And we thank you that your promise of, of changing our ways to your ways is taking hold in our lives. As you filled empty vessels with your joy of your wine, as you fill us with your spirit, as you fill us with your word, as you fill us we thank you for that. Through Christ we pray. Amen.